0: It's my great pleasure to say to you for the first time, hopefully of many, will you grab your Bible and open with me to the book of Deuteronomy? Here we go. Yes. That makes you excited, doesn't it? I want you to know if you're a visitor, you're joining a church where people get excited when a pastor says, open your Bible to Deuteronomy, okay? We may not be the hippest church in town. We may not be the most high production church. We're not the most organized church. If you have a problem with organized religion, you're going to love River West, okay? (laughs) But find me a bigger group of Bible nerds, and I will be amazed. We love opening the word, and we love opening the word because the Bible that you're about to open is God, the creator God of heaven and earth, who has revealed his wisdom and revealed his heart, and most importantly, revealed the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ, even out of a book of Deuteronomy. So when we open our Bibles here at River West, that's the humble posture we bring to that moment, amen? I want you to imagine with me for a moment, by the way, the ushers are out there. If you need a Bible, just raise your hand and we'll give you a Bible. I want you to imagine that you've gathered all of the people in your life that are the most important to you and you've invited them into your living room for a conversation. And they don't know this, but the reason you've called them, so imagine maybe you're in your home or maybe you've, you've gathered them at a, at a restaurant. They don't know this, but you know that your life is about to end. And you have an opportunity to share with the people in your life who matter the most your final thoughts, things that you care about things that you want to pass on to people that you love dearly. And i just want you to imagine that moment. I'm going to ask you a couple questions about it. Who would be in the room? Maybe it would be your children and your grandchildren. Maybe it would be your parents and your siblings. Maybe it would be your roommates. Maybe it would be people in your small group. Maybe it would be people in a, you know, uh, in your in your community group. Maybe it would be all of the above. And there they are. And here's what I want you to think about. What would be the things that you would wanna talk about? What would you focus on? I promise you, you would not waste time on inconsequential topics. Your, your, your mind would be sharp, your heart would be convicted, And I promise you in that moment, you would not share these things as strong suggestions or considerations. You would share like a person who knows, I have one last opportunity to pass on the things that I really care about. And the reason I'm asking you to think about that is at its most basic level, this is actually what Deuteronomy is. Deuteronomy is a farewell address. It's a farewell address of Moses Perhaps you know the story. The people of Israel have come out of a 40-year season of wandering in the wilderness. And they're about to enter into the land that God had promised them. And Moses has been told by God, because of some of his failures in the wilderness, we'll talk about that more later, Moses has been told, Moses, you're not going to be the one who's going to get to lead the children of Israel into the promised land. Joshua will take them in. And so Moses gathers the people in a plain called Moab on the eastern side of the Jordan River. And for 34 chapters, he shares his farewell address to the people he's led in the wilderness. And then the amazing thing, and we'll see this when we get to the end of our study in a year or however long it takes us to preach Deuteronomy, Moses actually dies at the end of Deuteronomy. It's this powerful scene where Moses pours out his heart to his people, and then he walks up a mountain where God allows him to look over the Jordan and see the entire promised land. And Moses lays down his head and he dies. Amazing. And now you're ready to read verse one of... Deuteronomy, what I want you you to realize is there's one distinction. Moses is not actually giving away his own convictions and Moses is not actually giving away his own wisdom. Moses is speaking on behalf of Yahweh, the living God. So the words you're about to read are not actually Moses' words. They're God's words. We listen in as I read to you verse one, Deuteronomy. These are the words that Moses spoke to all Israel, beyond the Jordan, in the wilderness, in the Arabah, opposite Suf, between Paran and Tophel, Laban, Hazaroth, and Dizahab. Riveting stuff, right? We are off with a bang here. You're like, I know exactly where that is. No, it's Okay. I'll tell you about that more later. Here's what I want you to focus on. Look at the first four words in your Bible of Deuteronomy. Do you see those words? These are the words. That's what I want you to focus on for just a moment. The name Deuteronomy was not the original title of this book. The original title was that Hebrew phrase. And basically, it's two Hebrew words, Ela Hadabarim. It's basically, these are the words. This is how the ancient people of Israel referred to Deuteronomy throughout thousands of years. They called the book, the words, which is really important because it gives this book a prophetic flavor right out of the gate. The name Deuteronomy comes from an ancient Greek translation of a verse later on where a king is asked to make a a copy of the law and someone decided to title that book. This would have been thousands of years later. Deuteronomy, that name, Deuteronomy, it's Deutero, which is the word second and namas, which is the word law. It's the word second law. And I actually don't really think that's the best title for this book because Deuteronomy is not a second law. Deuteronomy is Moses re-explaining the original Torah that the people of Israel were given at Sinai. And he drives it home for a new generation who are going to cross the Jordan and head into the promised land. And the reality is Deuteronomy, when you read Deuteronomy, I don't want you to think laws. Deuteronomy is prophetic. It's God's heart. It's God's wisdom. And so we'll use the word Deuteronomy, but what we we'll really mean is wisdom and prophetic words from the living God. Let's read on verse two. It is 11 days journey from Horeb by the way of Mount Seir to Kadesh Barnea. Now what you need to know about that, Horeb is basically the name that Deuteronomy uses for Sinai. This is Mount, anytime you see Horeb, that's Mount Sinai. That's where God gave the people the original 10 commandments and the Torah. And Kadesh Barnea is a town at the southern end of the promised land. So what Moses is doing here, it's really fascinating. He's saying, do you know how long it actually, would, how long it would have taken the people of Israel once they left Sinai to get to the promised land? It would have only taken them 11 days. That's how long it takes to travel. Now look at verse three, because there's this startling transition. In the 40th year, on the first day of the 11th month, Moses finally spoke to the people. It only takes 11 days to get from Sinai to the promised land, but something happened, and we're gonna read the story in a couple weeks. Something happened that turned an 11-day journey into 40 years. Wandering in the wilderness, rebellion, stubbornness, hard-heartedness. That's the point. So verse 3, in the 40th year, on the first day of the 11th month, Moses, now look at this, he spoke to the people of Israel, but what Moses spoke, he spoke according to all that the Lord had given him in commandment to them. This is really fascinating because as we're going to study Deuteronomy, what we're going to realize is... it's, it's impossible to discern the difference between Moses speaking and Yahweh speaking. They're one and the same. Moses speaks as a mouthpiece of the living God. Everything that comes out of his mouth comes out in accordance with the wisdom and authority of the living God. So you might be thinking, what does, a, what does a 21st century new covenant Christian, what do we have in common with a group of nomadic you know, Hebrew people? We don't have anything in common with them except for the words that they heard are the words from the same God that we follow, that we love. This book is going to have prophetic truth for Christians in our time. I'm gonna tell you about that more in just a moment. Verse four, after he, he spoke all this, after he had defeated Sihon, the king of the Amorites, who lived in Heshbon, and Og, the king of Bashan, who lived in Ashtaroth, and in Edre, all you need to know about that is these are two kings who came out against Israel as they were on their way to, to, to go into the promised land. They attacked Israel and Moses defeated them. And the most important thing you need to realize is there's a reason why we name our children Moses and Joshua, okay? Not Sihon and Og. These are my sons. This is my eldest son, Sihon. He's a bookworm. And this is my son, Og. We don't call our children that because these are wicked kings and they were defeated in the wilderness. Verse five, beyond the Jordan, in the land of Moab, Moses undertook to explain this law. So you say, pastor, why are we studying the book of Deuteronomy? We're studying the book of Deuteronomy because there's something going on in that verse. I want you to see it. There's the people. You see that phrase beyond the Jordan? That gets repeated over and over and over. The entire book of Deuteronomy unfolds in one place. It begins and ends with the people poised at the boundary on the Eastern side of the Jordan River. They can see the promised land before them, and they're waiting to take possession of the land. And so what we titled our series, I'm going to put the slide up so you can see this, we titled our series of people at the boundary. As I was reading Deuteronomy, when I was on my sabbatical, I started thinking that, that little concept of People standing, poised, at a boundary, waiting for where God's taking them next. I realized that is the perfect metaphor for River West Church in this, in this time. In many ways, we are just like these people. We've come out of our own season of wilderness where we were tested, where we experienced hardship, where our church was pruned. And now here we are, a gathered people of God. And I feel as if we're standing at a boundary of something that God has for our church next a new boundary to cross, a new, a new mission that we're supposed to accomplish. Maybe it's, maybe it's a pocket of our community where we've not taken the gospel yet. Maybe it's a new ministry overseas. Maybe it's simply a call to the people of River West to go deeper into your own personal faith in Jesus Christ. But like the people of Israel, I believe we're standing, poised, waiting, and God's going to take us somewhere new. And River West, I'm so glad you're you're here to be a part of it. Amen? A people at the boundary. It's going to take us almost 10 months to preach Deuteronomy. We'll finish after Easter. And what I'm gonna do right now is something that's probably ill-advised. I'm going to, which you should never have to say that as a caveat in the first place when you're a preacher, I'm gonna summarize the entire book of Deuteronomy in two words, and I want you to write these down. By the way, from now on, bring your Bible and bring a journal or a pen, because you're gonna have to take notes to get everything out of Deuteronomy. But I want you to write down these two words. The book of Deuteronomy is going to continually reinforce two traits about people at the boundary. And these are the traits, loyalty and longing. Loyalty and longing. I just want you to think about those two words for a minute. Loyalty looks up to God. It's a vertical word. It's a word that describes The posture of our hearts towards God. Would we ever choose the word loyalty? And longing looks out to God's world. It's a horizontal word. Longing is a word I'm gonna describe in a moment that describes the expectancy that we have as a people for where God is gonna take us next. Who is God gonna ask us to love next? to share the gospel with next, to invite into the community of Christ next. Longing describes our hearts for where we believe the living God would lead us. And people at the boundary are marked by both. So what I wanna do now, and over the next just 10, 15 minutes, I'm gonna unpack both those words for you. I'm gonna show you where I get them in Deuteronomy. I wanna start with loyalty. It's a little bit, loyalty is one of those words, it is a little bit difficult to define, but I want you to try this on for size. I'm gonna, I actually have a slide for this. Loyalty is the place where genuine love and practical expressions of allegiance meet. I'm just gonna leave that up. That's loyalty. So, Loyalty, it's hard to describe, but you know what? Have you ever noticed this? You know loyalty when you see it. In a friend, in a spouse. You, you, you just know loyalty immediately. You wouldn't even have to define it necessarily because you know what it is. But it does involve those two things. I remember when Kathy and I got the cancer diagnosis and we were told we were heading into a year-long journey of treating cancer. And I knew I'm heading into a year-long journey of being a caregiver. And what I want you to know is that the week that we found that out, the pastors of your church sat me down and said to me, Adam, whatever you need to do, we've got your back. Take As much time, I thought about just not coming to church anymore. I was not not going to work anymore. Right? No, I'm kidding. This is the quality of the pastors of River West Church. Pastor Marianne, Pastor Mike, Pastor Derek, Eric, Christopher, Tiffany, Kathleen, and the staff and the elders across the board. You know what they said to me? Do whatever you need to do to take care of your wife. We've got you covered. That's loyalty. I remember when Steve Edelman, who's a precious member of our church, came to the staff right as we were relaunching church after the pandemic. And he said, I will come and make coffee every single Sunday because I don't want the apocalypse to fall on our church. So I will make coffee every Sunday, okay? I'll be here every Sunday to make coffee until we rebuild the team. That's loyalty. Amen. By the way, Steve did tell me this morning we still have a few holes on that team, and he'd like he'd like to take his wife on vacation. So sign up at the Care and Connect table. I remember when my daughter Bridget she was 17 years old, and we were we were trying to do church in in lockdown. And Bridget said to me one Sunday at 7 a.m. When we were driving to the church. She said, "Dad." She said, I know a lot of the vocalists have bounced on you guys. I just want you to know, I'll lead worship every Sunday this year if you need it. So Bridget and I got to drive to church almost every Sunday for a year and serve the church. Amen? That's loyalty. Loyalty is the place where genuine love and practical expressions of allegiance meet. Now, imagine what it would look like in a church community towards their God. Isn't that amazing? And it brings me to arguably the most important verse in the entire book of Deuteronomy. You probably already know this verse. You don't have to turn there because I'm going to put it up for you. It's called the Shema. Deuteronomy six, it's really interesting. You know, the pe- for the people of Israel, the 10 commandments was not their most famous thing. It was this prayer. Do you know this? This was a daily prayer for the people of Israel. They would pray daily. Listen, Israel, the Lord, our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord, your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. And I underlined the words listen and love because those two words are repeated more than any other word in Deuteronomy. The word listen, you probably recognize, does not just mean hearing something. It, it, it brings with it the idea of responding to what you've heard from God. It carries the, it carries the idea of obedience, practical expressions of allegiance. And the word love, you probably know, is not just an emotion word. The word love is a sense of deep devotion that's so deep that the only way you can express it, you need your entire body. You need your might, you need your soul, you need your mind, you need your volition. The only way to really love God, it's a full body experience. And you take those two words and bring them together, folks. That's Loyalty. So what's going to happen as we study Deuteronomy is we're going to be confronted with this revolutionary way of thinking about obedience, especially as new often new covenant Christians for a lot of Christians when we think of obedience or the or law we think of things like maybe legalism or earning God's favor, but what we're going to discover in Deuteronomy is this profound way that, that the book describes obedience as a response of genuine love and gratitude to a god who has already poured out grace on his people in abundance and it's it's transformative there's like a formula and I, 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 I'm, I'm gonna put up a slide here. I just wanna remind you, I am a pastor, not an artist. All right, So do not judge what you're about to look at. Okay, They're like, dude, were you like, did you not have coffee yet when you drove those arrows? Okay, here's the flow, all right? We're gonna see this over and over and over in Deuteronomy. The book of Deuteronomy is a book that's all about God's grace. It starts with grace. In grace, God chose Israel. Why? Because they were beautiful, numerous, affluent, powerful. None of those reasons. Do you know why God chose Israel? Because he chose Israel in grace. It's just sheer grace. Why did God deliver them from bondage in Egypt? Grace. Why did God give his people Torah, his law, out of sheer grace? And then God says, now, constantly circle back and remember all of those moments of grace. And here's how I want you to respond. Loyalty. Practical expressions of allegiance through obedience to the law of God. And then the most fascinating part about it is, and we'll get to this in Deuteronomy 4, that becomes the way that we actually bless the nations. So Deuteronomy 4 describes Israel in the promised land living out Torah and the people in the land looking at Israel and going, these people are so wise. These people are so humble. They're so godly. And all they're doing is lovingly obeying the law that their God has given them. When a church community is wholesale, sold out, surrendered to Jesus, practicing his way, the Bible promises us the world will see that and say, what kind of a God do these people serve? And that's what we're going to discover as we study Deuteronomy. Now, many of you are new, maybe you're new to church, maybe you're new to River West, maybe... For you, Deuteronomy is totally unfamiliar for you, and I'm so glad you're here. Um, What I'm gonna do is I'm gonna put, we have a, a bunch of slides today. I wanna put up one more slide. I'm a visual learner, so I like to see the big picture at the beginning. So do not worry about this. I'm gonna come back to this later, but here's what you need to know. The book of Deuteronomy is divided in three frames. At the center of the book, chapters 12 through 26, which we'll get to next year, is a bunch of laws, like 126 laws. A lot of them are re- repeats from Exodus. Some of them are newer or, or reinterpreted, but it's basically laws. But that's not, the, even the, that's not even the entire book. On the outer edges are two speeches. We have an intro that we're gonna start next week where Moses goes back and tells the story. How did we even get here? He's gonna explain that whole, it should have taken 11 days. Why did it take 40 years? Come back next Sunday for that. And then he's going to say, then he's gonna preach from four to 11. He's gonna say, Please, he's gonna call them passionately to loyalty. He's gonna remind them of the 10 commandments, share the Shema, and then at the end of the book, chapters 27 to 34, he'll give another series of speeches where he'll, he'll give a final challenge. And I'll, there's this powerful section where he says, here's all the blessings if you follow God's covenant. There will be blessings. And here's a long list of curses that will happen if you choose not to follow God's covenant. And then he, he sings a song, he prays a blessing, and he walks up onto a mountain and he dies. It's profound. And that's Deuteronomy. And for the large part of the book, we'll be talking about what is this idea of loyalty. So I hope you'll come back and join us. But loyalty is only the first word. Here's the second word, longing. Here's what I want you to think about. Longing, here's what I mean by longing. Longing is that desire to follow God into whatever he's doing next. Another word you can use is the word expectancy. It's this belief. I believe God's, God's wanting to lead our church and we, and we are expectant and, we're, and we wanna discern where God's going and we wanna follow him. See, Deuteronomy is a forward-looking book. It's always looking forward. Let me, let me read the last two verses for just today. I left off at verse five. Look at verses six through eight. This is all we'll cover this morning. In verse 6, it says, the Lord our God said to us in Horeb, you have stayed, that's Sinai, this is now history, this was 40 years ago, he said, you've stayed long enough at this mountain, turn and take your journey and go to the hill country of the Amorites and to all their neighbors in the Arabah, in the hill country and in the lowland, and in the Negev, by the sea coast, the land of the Canaanites and Lebanon. This is basically a description of the, all the boundaries the northern, southern, eastern, western boundary of the land of promise. That's the map. He basically says, Leave the mountain now, go. There's the land. And he says next, See, I've set the land before you. In Deuteronomy, The whole book of Deuteronomy, the land is before the people. It's always forward-looking. They're poised. They're expectant. They're looking. They're following God. And the land is in front of them. See, I've set the land before you. Go in and take possession of the land that the Lord swore to your fathers, to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob, to give to them and to their offspring after them. Now, the phrase I, I really grabbed me, and I, I need to stop, and I need to preach this for just a moment. Will you look back at verse 6? Do you see this really interesting phrase? The Lord our God said to us in Horeb, or at Sinai, you've stayed long enough at this mountain. It's time to go. I want you to think about that phrase for just a minute. I think this is God's way of saying... The purpose for this season in your life is complete and it's time to move on. Have you ever had anyone say that to you? Hey buddy, you need to move on, you know? People, you know why people say that to us? Because they love us, amen? I think this is the God of the universe saying to a people that he loves, hey Israel, you stayed at the mountain long enough It's time to move on. Did you know there's one person in the universe who has the wisdom and the authority to say that to you? One person, the living God. And sometimes he does need to say it to us because for some reason, we're people who want to stay in places where God's finished what he was doing in that season in your life. But we want to stay there. When I was on my sabbatical, I I, I told the church before I left, I, I said, I'm gonna share one vulnerable prayer request, and it's this I have some wounds that I've been carrying around, and I, I want to get healed from some of the stuff from the past. And I went up to Canada and all of you prayed for me. And there was a powerful moment where I was journaling and I was remembering and I was going back. Not only did God allow me to go back and work through that stuff. There was also sort of a painful day where he said, look in the mirror, buddy, take responsibility from, for some of your own stuff. And then like a gracious father, he said, okay, you've stayed here long enough. Let it go, let it go. No, he didn't, He no, no. He did not sing and he did not sing a Disney song. I will guarantee you that. You know what he said to me? He said, It's time to move on. But here's the thing. I know for a fact that right now in this room, there are people and you've been in a season of hurt. And you know what? It's time to move on. And not only that, God actually has the power to heal you right now and then let you free so you can move out of that season because he's done. He's accomplished what he needed to accomplish there. You need to receive this this morning as a word to your heart. Some of you have been through a season where you've worked through deep hardship, and now God's saying, I'm done with that season. You're free. It's time to move on. Some of you are stuck in a toxic relationship, and God's saying, it's time to move on. Some of you might be the cause of that toxic relationship. And God's saying, it's time to move on from that too. There are people in this this room right now who have church hurt from the past. What's happening is you're using that old church hurt as an excuse to remain skeptical in this church with your arms folded. And God's saying, That season's over. It's time to move on. And some of you have worked through tons of trauma, and that's healthy and good, trauma from your past. But now what's happening is you're using your past trauma as an excuse for your current dysfunction. And God's saying, it's time to move on. Fill in the blank. Some of you, God's been preparing you for a ministry or a mission. And some and it's easier to stay in the place of preparation than it is to step out in radical faith and do the thing you know God's calling you to do. Amen. And God's saying, the prep time is over, baby. It's time to move on. Amen. We're moving on. Now, what would happen if God said that to a church family? See, for God's people, moments come when God says to them, okay, long enough here, we're crossing a new boundary. I love the way Christopher Wright said it. Deuteronomy, here's what he said. I think we have this quote. Whoa, that's small. Put on the readers, baby. Okay, Deuteronomy is a book for people on the move. Literally, at first, Christopher Wright's saying, in the original context, Deuteronomy is a literal people on the move, but then the book becomes prophetic wisdom literature for every generation. Any new covenant Christian can go back to Deuteronomy and find lessons for our church in this day because now it's a spiritual and moral movement. It sets Israel on the boundary of the land and looks beyond that boundary to what lies in store for Israel as it moves into the future with God. Furthermore, it's a book addressed in the name of a God on the move, Yahweh, the God who has been dramatically involved in Israel's own past movements and indeed also in the movements of other nations on the great chessboard of history. It presents, therefore, a God of sovereign worldwide purpose and a people with a sharp spiritual mandate and moral agenda. And that's River West Church a sharp spiritual mandate. We have God's word, we have the gospel of Christ, we have a mandate, we have a way that Jesus has given us and God's saying, let's go, let's go. So if you're new, I want you to know, I'm so glad you're a part of our church, but I do need to warn you, we're doing stuff. So if you're kind of a lazy person, you may not love River West because we're, we're gonna do new things. In a couple of months, we're gonna bring in the ministry of Africa New Life and we're gonna share with you a new community in Rwanda where there's never been a church we're gonna be a part of, by God's grace, building a new church. We're gonna begin talking about new ministries that we're gonna accomplish together. We cannot do it without you. We're a people at the boundary, River West. Okay, last thing, real quick. How do I get the most out of Deuteronomy? Maybe you're thinking, I wanna get the most out of this study. Here's three things I want you to do. Okay, these are really, really complex. Number one, read the book, okay? Just read it, buy a Bible, start there, okay, get a Bible or steal one from our church we, we, we encourage it. Read it, read it devotionally, make it a part of your daily practice. You sat down on a bookmark that that's our first gift to you in our series in Deuteronomy, and what it does is it allows you to, to tackle Exodus and Deuteronomy over the next Two months, the reason Exodus is there is because Exodus gives you the narrative of the people's, the Israel's wanderings. And so a lot of Deuteronomy goes back to Exodus. So if you read Exodus, you'll understand a lot of the history. But as we're like this, this week, read Deuteronomy one, two or three times, just soak in it, okay? That's number one. Number two, pray for the preachers. Preaching Deuteronomy is really hard. When I preached through Romans, I went online and I was like, sermon series in Romans and I found hundreds of people and pastors and churches that have preached the Romans. Uh, Guess what happened when I typed in sermon series in in Deuteronomy, right? It was scant, scant evidence. Very few people try to tackle Deuteronomy. Maybe there's a reason for that. I don't know. I shared this with a guy last week and he was like, hey, it could be worse. It could be Leviticus. So every time you're here and you're like, I don't know what's going on, just remind yourself, it could be Leviticus, Okay. Pray for the preachers. We need your prayers. Come back tonight. We're going to have a worship and prayer night. I really do want to see all of you here. We're going to pray for this series. We're going to worship. I'm actually going to, at the part of that, I'm going to read the Shema over you and pray over the church. Pray. Also, I want to share one other thing real quick. Every fall, the elders go away for a, uh, a weekend of prayer. And this year, we're going to do something different. We're actually going to open up space for 40 people in our church to join us. And here's why. Uh, We've had people say, I don't know how to pray. I don't know how to like spend time in solitude. I need someone to just help me learn how to do this. And so there's a sign-up sheet out there. If you are interested in something like that, you want to go to Cannon Beach for two. It's in October, the end of October, October um, 27 to 29. Limited spots, but we're going to, the elders are going to lead a small group of people through A time to pray. Pray for the preachers. Here's the third thing. Come to our forums. We do forums in our church. And what it is, is it's a Sunday night thing where we tackle something that's too complicated to talk about on a Sunday morning. So think of it like a long form discussion. And the first one we need to do is we need to have a conversation about violence in the Bible. Because as you may know, or you may not know, as we read Deuteronomy, we're going to be confronted with some disturbing, what appear to be disturbing passages where it, it appears that God's actually giving his people permission to go in and wipe out other people groups. And we need to talk about that because that, that is a cause of great consternation. And so I'm going, to do a, a, I'm going to do about an hour and a half lecture on Sunday night, October 22nd at 7. I'm just going to address it head on. What do we make of this? And then in the spring, we'll do another one on this whole law gospel, what appears to be, is not really a conflict there, but we need to talk about it. Come to the forums. Okay, that's the first sermon in Deuteronomy. And what I want to do is I'm going to end by telling you something really, really if I were to summarize what's the most important reason why we would preach Deuteronomy, I'm going to invite the worship team to come. Here's why. Deuteronomy actually is going to give us a bunch of the categories that you actually need in order to understand the ministry of Christ in the New Testament. So when you're reading the Gospels, there are things that are happening. And if you've never read Deuteronomy, you won't understand what's going on. This is really fascinating. Did you know, remember the moment right at the beginning of Jesus' public ministry when the Holy Spirit led him out to be tempted in the wilderness? Do you remember that moment? The Spirit led Jesus into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And I don't know if you know this, but... Each time that Jesus responded to one of the three temptations, the verse that he quoted was actually from the book of Deuteronomy. Did you know that? Man does not live by bread alone, Deuteronomy 8.3. You shall not put the Lord your God to the test, Deuteronomy 6.16. It's the Lord God you shall fear. You shall have no other God before you, and you'll not swear by any other name, Deuteronomy 6, 13. This is not an accident. Now, I want you to think about this. What's happening in the life and ministry of Jesus, what's happening is the Spirit is leading Jesus back over the Jordan River to the east, into the wilderness, where he will relive what the Israelites were supposed to do which was be faithful to God in the wilderness, which they did not do. So Jesus goes into the wilderness to be tempted and tried 40 days. It's not an accident. 40 years, 40 days. Quoting Deuteronomy, he comes back to the boundary. He crosses the Jordan River and he actually brings about the promised land that the whole Bible had been pointing towards. And you can't understand that if you've never studied Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy. But why would Jesus do this? The reason Jesus did this is because where the people of Israel failed, Jesus had to come and succeed. And you know, it's amazing. When we get to the end of Deuteronomy, Moses is gonna say, be faithful to God, be faithful to God. And then Moses near the end is gonna say, but I know you're not gonna do it. (laughs) I've known you long enough. You're gonna be unfaithful and you're going into exile. And the reason you're going into exile is because your hearts are fundamentally broken. Someone has to come from heaven who has the power to heal broken hearts, hardened hearts, a prophet better than Moses, a lawgiver better than Moses, whose name is Jesus Christ, Messiah and Lord. He came to remove stony hardened hearts and replace them with hearts of flesh that would beat for God. When Jesus got to the end of his life, he had obeyed the covenant perfectly. Do you know what should have happened? He should have gotten all the blessings of Deuteronomy 32. And you know what actually he got? He got the curses. He went to a cross. You're gonna hold the elements in your hand. Jesus at the end of his life should have been blessed and he received the curse. Why? so that his people would receive the blessings of the covenant and he took our curse. And you would never understand that if you've not read the book of Deuteronomy. And so folks, the heart of the gospel's on the line. So I hope you'll come back next Sunday and join us for part two. (laughs) Will you pray with me? Father, we're so thankful for your word It's living, it's active, it's sharp. It has authority. It speaks to us. Today, you're saying to some in this place, you've stayed there long enough. It's time to move on. I pray you'd not only say that in this space, I pray, Lord God, you would say that to our entire church. We love you, Lord. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Everybody said Amen. amen. I'd like to invite you to the table this morning. Come forward, get the bread, get the cup, return to your seat. Hold on to that for a minute. I'll come back and I'll lead us in the eating and the drinking. Would you bow your heads for a minute? Do you remember the moment when Jesus, just with your head bowed, remember the moment when Jesus came to Peter to wash his feet? And Peter said, this is a translation, there's no way I'm letting you touch my feet, Jesus. I want you to think about why he said that. Is it possible that Peter had stayed in the same place for too long? Now just think about this for a minute. Peter thought he was doing something noble Peter thought, I'm protecting you from taking a posture that's humiliating. And do you know what Jesus said to Peter? He said, Peter, if you don't let me wash your feet, you can have no part with me. Now, the thing about that, folks, that was not about a foot washing. Jesus was saying, Peter, if you think it's humiliating for me to wash your feet, Do you realize how humiliating it's gonna be for me to wash your soul? I have to go to a cross and be tortured, insulted, humiliated, and killed in order to wash your soul. And the reason I'm saying this is there's one last moment I think Jesus might be saying it's time to move on. I think that there are some in this room, you are holding back Jesus for some reason. And he's trying to wash your soul. He's longing to change your heart. He's inviting you into a relationship that will forever change your future, both now and for eternity. And the reality is you do have to, you have to let go. You have to surrender. You gotta drop your guard and say, okay, Jesus, I believe, I surrender to you. You're my new leader, you're my king. How I pray this would be that day for you in this moment as you eat and drink. May it be the first day of many days following Jesus. And so, Lord, we love you. We receive this meal in gratitude and faith. Amen.